Hi, this is Samantha Newark, probably best known as the voice of Jem and Jerrica from Jem and the Holograms, and you are listening to Hellions Talks. Almost live from a library near you, this is Hellions Talks, starring the masked library, Kevin Hellion. He is the lauder of the long box, the hero of the hall, and he's on a mission to bag and board them all. Now the Retro Network proudly presents a talk show of comic proportions. Hello everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hellions Talks. With me today is a very special guest who reached out to me for... uh, his comic and i absolutely loved it and i couldn't wait to talk about it and he does not know at this time what i thought of it uh there will be a review going alongside with this podcast but i was just absolutely fell in love with it so happy that we're here to talk about it today but with me is the writer of the comic cream made mark dixon mark welcome to the show i'm so glad we get to talk about this Hello, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. So I am grateful that you asked me if I would be willing to read Cream Maid because mm-hmm. it is awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I love this so much. I'm I I would be ready to spend money on Cream Maid merchandise. Have little plushies. Ah, <laughs> uh, very nice. I mean, like, um, be plushy, like, is like be dream. So, like, um, down the line, maybe fingers crossed. Yeah. But uh, you are the writer for the book, along with artist Rebecca Burgess and letterer Davis Rush. Uh, as you know and I know, but sometimes listeners do not. It takes everyone to make a comic, and so all beautiful. of you, all of you, made this absolutely beautiful and fun. And just so enjoyable. And I had no idea what I was getting into either. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like that's kind of with a title like like Cream Made. I kind of like that it doesn't really tell you much about what the book is going to be. And I get that, like, maybe, like, people who know more about marketing might be like, give it a better name. But, like, I kind of thought, like, do I give it a better name? But I can't, well, not a better name, but, like, a different name. Like, but like I kind of couldn't think anything that could like encapsulate what this book is about other than just cream made, which is the name of the main character. But with calling it cream made, so we we see cream made at first, and I don't know what to make of them mm-hmm. from the beginning. And as the story progresses. I think, well, you couldn't call them anything else other than Cream Maid, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, where the book starts and where it ends, I want to call them Cream Aid based on who they are. The end, ending, in a way, I may have chosen a different name, but it's also, well, yeah, that's Cream Aid. That's their name. That, <laughs> when I yeah. think of Cream Aid, that's absolutely perfect. And, and, the way that all of you crafted this story for me to start at the beginning and saying, what on earth is this? Mm-hmm. And at the end, absolutely just falling in love with, with 
um, the entire world that you made here for it, it, it's it was absolutely perfect. And I I want to talk all about it, but I also want people to discover it on their own as well for some of the mm. the twists and turns. But, yeah. Uh, well, um, um, what I liked about like what like my aim for it was is to kind of keep a lot of that like ambiguity in there. So like as you say, like at the start of the book, pre-made is their job title because they are the maid that this couple that the book is about and follows. That couple hires pre-made to be their maid who brings them cream, which is like a very specific job, which like in itself is a little bit weird. But I kind of liked that as the book goes and they kind of transition like away from that. There's like an ambiguity like around is cremate their employee? Is cremate their pet? Is cremate their child? And it's like, yes, yes to all. Well, and, and that was one of the fun things because you could, uh, this could be read to a child and just an enjoyable story. And then I'm reading it as an adult and having a whole different perspective on it. And because there's what is cremated to Honey and Darling. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of depends on the page. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah like on the panel even. Yeah. Yeah. Cremated yeah. can be anything. Um, And then it, it continues to, well, whose perspective am I on here? Because I've been cremated at times, depending on what's happening in my life. I've been honey and darling sometimes, depending on what's happening in my life. I've I've had these feelings and emotions and experiences. And again, depending on the page, different characters are speaking directly to me. Mm-hmm. And I think you have an amazing kid story, but I also think you have an amazing story for adults as well with being true to yourself with finding acceptance with mental health Mm. with just being an adult and dealing with everything that comes with that it was god i loved it (laughs) thank you well like that was kind of what i was trying to achieve in the like too often like the term like all ages story means like something that is just like appropriate for children you know, like all ages can like technically read it um, um, because the bar is so low at like the age of a child. But what I was trying to achieve and like I'm glad that it came across is just that there are all those different levels to it where if you are a child, then you just get like the fun of cremate as a cat type person because we see cats like in this world and cremate is not a cat. So and but then you can also kind of as an adult get beyond the cat side of things, the cat hijinks, the chaos that cremate creates in their wake as they blast through the world. And I was hoping to kind of there are plot lines for the adults in this as well. So that it's not all just like wacky cremate hijinks. You also get to see um honey grapple with her anxiety and to like tr- like trying to venture out into the world for the first time in a long time and darling struggle with his like self-expression after the first issue and like a lot of stuff um, happens to him then and just kind of I like to kind of figure out like because like I'm still I mean like I'm 30 now 
but I'm still trying to figure out like exactly who I am. And that is constantly changing at every single age. So I like to kind of try and portray the fact that people are always trying to define themselves. Even if you've had like an entire life as a person before this point, you can still change and still have to go through that journey of discovering who you are and that that experience isn't limited to children. No, and, and it's funny you mentioned uh, being 30 and, and discovering who you are. I have bad news for you because <laughs> I'm in my 40s uh-huh. okay. and I'm still not entirely sure. I, I had my kid in yeah. my 30s. I'm going through a separation in my 40s. Yeah, I, exactly, I finally, yeah. yeah, I finally found a, a, a day job that I enjoy and it took till my 40s to find that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I feel like when I, I now I feel like my 30 year old self was a moron my 20 year old self and my teenage self made stupid decisions and i have the fear that as i go into my 50s and 60s and so on i'll feel like i'm a moron now oh yeah yeah i mean like um um i kind of try to live from the place of being forgiving to people who i see who are like not quite as far along like in 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 in, in in the maturity journey because like I would hope that at every point in my life I can look back on my past self and be like past me was made some terrible decisions like was was mean to people like even by accident just in like how you act and I just hope that that I'm always in a place where I am always like um even even to the strict level of of of, of reinventing myself and I hope that that never really changes. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm now. sorry. I hit a button on this mic and didn't realize it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but you mentioned a perspective that you had when you were younger and mm-hmm. also mentioning uh, for kids how their perspective of the cremated book would be. But for yourself, what were you like as a child? Um, were you a comic kid growing up? Um is there part of cremate that may have been ways you felt when you were a kid as well? Um, did you grow up wanting to be a comic writer or is it something now in your thirties you wanted to try out? Like what, what is your comic book origin? Okay. So, I mean, like my comic book origin is not quite as exciting as some of the superhero origins unfortunately, <laughs> or, or like also fortunately, because a lot of superheroes have really tragic, hor- horrible, horrible lives. But, um, for me, like in because I live in the UK, there like up until recently, like in the early two thousands when I was growing up, there there was never really an audience for like the US like superhero comics. Like they were like very very specialist products that were found in like very few shops, and like beyond what was viewable in some cartoons that somehow made it over here for some people. They just weren't really that visible. So for me, like when I was growing up, there were like two either weekly or monthly comics called the Beano and the Dandy that were like anthology comics, basically, where like every every issue would have like five or six different stories in it. A lot of the recurring characters like um like um Dennis the Menace, I think might be the one who's made it over to the US. I'm not quite sure. A, a different we have a slightly different version of Dennis the Menace. 
Okay. Characters named the same, but yeah, there 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 are differences between the two of them, which I only found out in the last year. Okay. Okay. Um, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. So like, I never really read superhero comics at all until my dad he got me for Christmas presents when I was like fourteen or fifteen. He went to like the one comic shop in the area of the UK that I'm from in the southwest, and he got me like six or seven like comics that were old for like a pound you know like those like I don't don't know how you how um how you name them but like when they're old they get put in like random bags like a grab bag I guess of comics for like yep. a pound or something yep we have and, we have some places that uh they're kind of like comic book warehouses and they'll just hmm. bundle together a bunch of random issues and sell them to uh like closeout stores or, or discount bookstores or stuff like that as a gotcha. sealed bag and you might see the one on the on the front through the plastic but you don't know the rest that are going to be in there yeah yeah like it was that one and um one of them that i remember was there was an um uncanny x-men annual where storm was getting married and obviously because like this was like when the films had come out already so like i knew the characters from the films but the problem with superhero comics is that they expect you to know everything Mm -hmm. so i really struggled to follow it because like i read the comic and i was like i like storm storm is great but there are like 12 other characters here who i have no idea who they are so i kind of like thought like I liked it, but I won't really try to find out any more information. But like, it wasn't until I went to uni that I was like, um, I decided to just like take the plunge, um, subscribe to two random X-Men series on marvel.com and pay the monthly fee for them and just kind of see what happened. And then, <clears throat> and then it kind of like unraveled from there of like a blur a blur happens and then suddenly I've read every X-Men comic from Chris Claremont's first run like in the 80s to the early noughties and I don't know what happened I, I think I blacked out a few times <laughs> um and then I kind of went really deep in comics for like a really really long time and like I just read as much as I could from as many publishers as I could find and it wasn't until I had like a hobby where like I reviewed comics for like a couple of websites for a while. And that kind of got me like more like interested in like the craft of it and trying to figure out like why I disliked X-Men number 27, but I liked number 28, you know, like trying to actually like hone that sense of trying to analyze why things are good. And then I kind of thought like, do I want to write things? Because like, if like, but like, um, um, that kind of like tapped into the, you know, like the the childhood dream of like, oh, I want to be an author without really much um, comprehension of what that actually means. And so then there was like, it's like a really strange place where the, where Cremate begins is it began as a one of those cat collecting games, and like back when that was like a huge craze. And there was one of them that I found that um, it kind of looked like it had like a, like a maid's like, I don't know what it's called, like the white bit, like, like on the front of like a maid's dress, like the pinafore, if that was called. And I decided to call it Cream Maid because 
like like a big hug that made me laugh. Like the image of a cat having to bring cream to humans, not being able to eat any. And for some reason, I just found that hilarious. And I decided to to then write and draw like a comic strip that kind of like was kind of like partially like inspired by the Beano and the Dandy that I read like as a child and partially by, by um, Calvin and Hobbes that I'd read a bunch of and kind of I wrote and drew it myself, showed it, showed it to my partner who he he found it really, really funny. And for a while, like it became like just a thing that I did to make him laugh. Just like I posted them on Twitter, but like nobody saw them. And then I got like I I put some of them on like Tapastic and Webtoons. And I think uh, and like I think I got like one mean comment, like about the art. I was like, I quit. I quit. I can't do this. My art is terrible. I can't do this ever again. And then I had like a bit of a break from Cream Made. And then it was like 2018 when like I kind of was like dipping my toes back in the water of cream made and I thought like I want to create this I think it's a great idea but my art skills are not good and I kind of like didn't want to wait for the point where my art skills were good enough to draw it if that makes sense so like mm -hmm. I know that the art skills come from just like practice like primarily from just like doing it for, 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 for like a long period of time so I reached out to Rebecca Burgess, who I'd um, interviewed her for one of the comic review sites that I had been doing work for. And she agreed to draw it. And then we worked together to, um, to finish the first issue, which like I was always like amazed when she set the pages of just like what she was capable of drawing, because like I was always limited by my art skills which were very, very limited. But like when I would give like ideas to her, she would always, always blow me away and just be like, I can't believe that I have someone who is as good as her drawing this comic. Like the weirdest thing that, that like I remember sh her being able to do is there's a scene in Creamy like in the first chapter because it's split into four chapters. And in the first chapter, Creamade goes off from mom, Honey and Darling for their own adventure. And one of the first people that they encounter is a brother and sister who are sat um, eating ice cream. And this pair of siblings, they offer Cream Maid some of the ice cream. Cream Maid obviously gets too enthusiastic and tries to charge at the ice cream to eat it. And in the script I wrote, because there are like a series of like three panels, where like everyone like um where like everyone reacts in panic to Cream Maid's charge, and I wrote um in this panel draw the ice cream sundae, but the decorations make it look like a panicked face, and I never thought like um I thought that she would give me like a response being like what the hell does this mean? This means nothing. But then like I get the page back and she's made an ice cream sundae look like a panicked face, but also like an ice cream sundae. And it was just, I just couldn't believe that she had like been able to make that like actually come across really, really, really well. Um, and yeah, um, after we got the first issue done, we kickstarted the printing of the first issue, which was great. So like that actually got like a bit, 
um, there was like a round of merch that came with that. So like, I'm sure I have some prints somewhere. If you really like, um, 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 if you really want one, I can give you one. I have plenty. I have too many now. <laughs> um, and then, um, I reached out to the publisher, um, Arledge Comics in like 2019, which when I was doing when I when I tied down when I um did the prep for this interview, I realized how long ago that was. Like that was like three years ago almost now, and it's crazy how long books take to make. Um, and then we worked on it with um Arledge Comics, and then it was meant to be published in 2020, but then the world happened, and that wasn't able to happen. So then it like eventually got published at the end of last year in 2021. When the world happened, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> I mean, like everyone knows at this point, you know, like the world happened, like 2020 happened, and all plans fell apart. Now, <laughs> yeah, because I I don't quite know how to put it for stuff uh, on this side of the world, um, and and I've talked about it with with other guests for just. You know, we had all these plans that just fell apart, but mm-hmm. everything fell apart, so we can't be too hard on ourselves. Exactly, yeah. And, and one of the things, um, this was actually a comic writer I was talking to last week, he was saying, oh, I, I wish I got more stuff done during, mm-hmm. you know, when it initially started and during shutdowns and everything. I thought, we're saying that looking back at the time, none of us knew how long anything would last. We certainly no. didn't expect that years later, we'd still be in the middle of this uh, on uh, at some level and possibly for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. So we can't look back and say, oh, I wish I did more time with those weeks, those months, whatever, because we didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. Tomorrow, we uh, honestly, at the start of it, we all kind of thought we'd wake up and hear an announcement. It's over. Everything's OK. Let's go back. To yeah. How we were well, like it was meant to be weeks, you know, like it was like I can't stay like in my house for three weeks. Like that's impossible. No, and it's been when, two years. Yeah. And when when my day job was shut down, they said, okay, we're going to send everyone home for two weeks. We expect it to be over after that. And mm-hmm. months later, we start talking about how to come back to work. And do you remember your password to sign into <laughs> your computer? You know, little yeah, things definitely. like that that we've all forgotten. Yeah, I mean, like, I sent Cremate out to, like, um, to, like, a couple of people, like, at the end of last year. And um, I kind of got the reaction from people um, who who are like in the industry and are like like and said like I might not have time to read this because I have a lot of things sent to me but just be proud that you got something made in this time time that we're living in and that just really really helped to kind of like give me the um to kind of give me the the perspective of like I'm disappointed that that it didn't come out when I thought that it was going to but it was an unprecedented time that I still made a book in so I feel like we kind of like as like a society, they like just need to be more forgiving to ourselves that it's been a very difficult two years. So even if you've not done much in this two years, it's been very difficult for everyone. And the people who you see doing all of the all of these like amazing all of these like amazing things, like the um the um like the um Taylor Swifts of the world, who like people say like in two years she's done like 
six albums. And it's like, yeah, but she also has like millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like, if you've been able to do anything in the past two years, then that is definitely like an achievement. Yeah, she wasn't freaking out about paying bills during any of exactly. this. Exactly. <laughs> like, um, her job was fine. <laughs> yeah, she was doing okay. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, though, um, having one bad comment on your art when, you, when you're writing and drawing cremate on your own. Mm-hmm. And then having responses of, I don't have time to read this right now, but be proud that you got something out. Mm-hmm. And I think that that speaks to anyone that's creative and you even have it in the book with your characters of the difference in how we perceive ourselves and also getting positive feedback back you know, from other people because mm-hmm. we get trapped in our own heads and we doubt ourselves and we wonder if we're good enough. We wonder if we can ever get anything done oh, this person's a better writer, this person's a better artist, this person's a better whatever than I am. I'll never be that good, so why bother trying? And mm-hmm. get wrapped up in that anxiety and emotion. And you, any one of us can have a 100 people say good, positive things, but it just takes that one negative to throw it all away. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And you see it at different points. And it's it, it's interesting how Honey and Darling kind of switch places as the story unfolds for having their own doubts and their own anxiety and their own fear of, am I doing the right thing? Is this where I'm supposed to be in life? And I don't know how to change and I'm scared of change too. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks across the world, across generations, across anything in life. And I don't know if, Maybe um, with you saying that you wrote this first story, had that negative comment, then brought Rebecca on. If maybe even subconsciously in your own writing, you're bringing some of that out of I had this negative response and it made me feel this way. And now we have Honey and Darling at different points in the book, at different points in their own careers, doubting themselves as well. Yeah, I mean... I think that um, a lot of that does come from the fact that I am generally quite an um, anxious person anyway. Um, and I feel like there was the chapter, um, chapter three, because like um, every chapter I kind of try to shape each of the characters to have their own arc in each chapter and kind of have them all tie into the same theme. And in chapter three, I kind of like I'm heavily focused on um, expectation as like the theme of all of the character arcs. So kind of how do each of them function when they have things, things that are um, things that are um, expected of them. So, for example, um, by that point, like in the story, Cream Maid is this like happy, bubbly, fun character. And I kind of wanted to, to wanted to play with the fact that by this point in the story you you as the reader like expect a certain thing from cream maid like cream maid is going to be frivolous cream maid is going to just want to do the biggest boldest the loudest thing at any one point cream maid is not capable of rational thought because that is how they have been acting up until this point 
And like, I wanted to play with that with pre-made and kind of see how, see how they would react in it. Like in a way, because they are, are a cat, but they are also not a cat. So they have more human-like reactions to the world than you might initially think possible. And similarly, like with Honey, um, I wanted to kind of like explore how sometimes um, expectations can be helpful. So people might think that you are capable or you should do a certain thing. And sometimes that can be very restricting because you don't want to do that thing. It's like, my dad is a doctor, so I have to be a doctor. You know, like people expect you to follow in like a particular path or like as a child, you trained to do X job. So you have to do X job forever. Like um, like um, expectations can be something that keep you in a place but, um, that you don't want to be. But then with Honey's journey in chapter three, I kind of wanted to kind of play around with the fact that sometimes um, expectations can help you to grow because we kind of get more of a, more, more of like an insight into um, Honey's, Honey's life as a child and growing up because we meet her parents. And the fact that her, her dads both had these like, like um, expectations for her to, to go into the family business and the fact that she didn't want to. And throughout the chapter, we kind of see how she learns to grapple with that and how she can choose to engage or to not engage with parts of it. But she can still use those expectations to figure out who she is and who she wants to be. So she's like, I am not this part of it, but I am this part of the expectations rather than kind of like writing all of their arcs to be like, don't have expectations of anyone because sometimes they can be helpful. Well, and, and also you're mentioning, um, no, let me, let me word it this way. The chapters in the book don't feel like here's what took place the next day. It feels mm-hmm. like I'm coming back to these characters at different points in their life. So I have, there's been growth, there's been change, there's been, life has happened off panel. Mm -hmm. And so Cremade is different. Honey and Darling are different. Everything grows more as I check in with them, but it made everything feel more real too. And then you have something, uh, you know, you're mentioning Honey's parents and and the getting involved in the family business and everything. Now, I'm going to assume with you as a writer that somewhere around you are many books that you have not read. Mm-hmm. And maybe never will, but you had yeah. to have them. And, and, I, and I have many bookshelves as well. I'll read them at some point and I'll get to them in it. Yeah, yeah, eventually. <laughs> eventually we all. 40 but, years down the line, I might read them. <laughs> but I also feel like I need to wait for that to find me. There mm-hmm. have been times where, oh, I bought this book two, three, four years ago, maybe even longer. And if I read it then, it wouldn't have hit me as well as it's hitting me now. 
because now I've had different experiences in life. I've grown up and the way this book is written speaks to me more now than who I was when I bought the book. So the book was waiting for me. And in a Mm -hmm. way with Honey, if she went into the family business right away, she probably would have failed. Mm -hmm. She had to wait until she was ready. She had to wait until life was ready. And it's, it's all of her experiences, but it's all of, the family's experiences as well. Now is when I am destined to be here. Now is when I should be around and do this. And it's almost, I I don't see cremate as cat, as human. Um, There's no, you know, real gender to apply Mm-hmm. I see cremate as a force of nature in a way <laughs> throughout the yeah. book. I mean, like I've heard um, them described as uh, um, 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 as like a chaos god, just kind of like sprinkling change like throughout the world as they gallop. <laughs> but it, it's not really it's not really chaos as in it's not because I, I think it maybe it's an American perspective, but we think of chaos as mess. Mm-hmm. as destruction and it's not chaos like that it's chaos is a change of yeah cremated you don't know why cremate is here but they are going to take you from point a to point b and yes. you need to be at point <laughs> b for the next good thing in your life to happen mm-hmm. and if it wasn't for cremate honey darling you would not have taken this path and you would not have gone to your next point in life that you were supposed to be at and cremate just as this agent of change to get them to that point and no one realizes it but it happens multiple times in the book of okay if cremate hadn't done this thing you wouldn't be over here and this thing wouldn't have happened the book wouldn't have happened the company wouldn't have happened the whatever it might be and sometimes we don't know what life is putting in front of us or why until months years later we look back and say thank god that happened because that started this path Almost butterfly mm-hmm. effect in a way. Yeah, um, I kind of liked to kind of write pre-made as just, I say chaos because it's kind of, it never comes without some kind of a cost. So like, it's not like, it's like always like entirely negative, but it's not like pre-made can walk into a room, have a heart to heart and make you have, have like an epiphany. It's like pre-made will come into the room, they'll destroy your seat and then you can't, anymore so you have to go for more walks you know like that kind of a thing of they force change more kind of on a subconscious level I kind of see it as just cremade wants the world to be better but doesn't quite know how to enact that change so just kind of tries anything in their power that they could possibly try to achieve and then see that see that change happen and then kind of like function more on instinct and try to drive change that way so i don't ever see cremators like walking into a room and being like i'm going to improve honey and darling's life by doing this it's just kind of more of like um more of like a representation of how just life happens and you don't expect it to happen because like Honey and Darling would never have said when they first got married or anything, I hope we have this 
this gremlin force in our lives that forces us to go from place to place. But because pre-made is there, you see how much change happens and kind of pre-made just like represents that aspect of life and how things are always unexpected and things will always be changing. But there is always good to find no matter what change happens. So like if you go from where the family starts at the start of the book and where they end at the end of the book, you would never expect that that you would be able to get from point A to point B. But hopefully over the course of the book, as you see these life events happen, it does make sense because that is just how life works. That you would never be like, your 20-year-old self would never look at where you are now and be like, I thought I was going to be there. But that, but it's always like amazing how much can change on like a day-to-day basis, on like from like one day, you just then split off on a new path and you end up somewhere entirely like unexpected. Oh, you're absolutely right on that. And I've, uh, I've deep dove into, you know, my own head and my own history before to think what decisions led me to where I am. Mm -hmm. And it'll scare yourself if you go far enough back. Yeah. Because it'll be a random thing. I made this decision this day, which is when I met this friend. And because of meeting that friend, this happened life. And then this happened life. And it may have decided where I went to school or, or an activity I did or introduced me to something for a decision that meant nothing in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you, you keep saying what Cremade represents, but I also want to talk about the representation as well. Mm-hmm. Um with cremade uh being in, in your own solicitation and lgbt story mm-hmm. i'll say everything is in here and as it should be because that's how life is you not only with cremade but with Honey and Darling, with Honey's parents, with the school, with everyone they interact with, it's everyone in the world. It's everyone in life as it should be. And for me growing up, when you have shows in America of here's a cast of people in New York City and they're all late 20s, early 30s, white and straight. Well, that's not real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we all grew up with that for so long. And now books like Cremade and and other stories is things that I enjoy showing my child, and he's only eight, but to show there's a wealth of people in this world that are amazing and wonderful, and this is what the real world is like. It's not just, uh, I mean, because of the way I grew up very insular at the time in the 80s that's not the real life that's not real world but it's Mm -hmm. in everything we're exposed to in media all the books are only this perspective of people all the tv shows all the movies and honestly it was the white male straight perspective and i Mm -hmm. and i say that as one and i apologize (laughs) for that (laughs) but 
but that was the only thing being out there for the world for anyone and it's ridiculous mm-hmm. and absurd but then you know have a book like cremate and you know i'm i'm in my 40s and i try very careful to use proper um pronoun usage for anyone that i meet or or even someone like cremate you know when talking about them and mm-hmm. i want i want to be an example for my kid to be better than people were when i grew up i'll say mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and uh i i've made the joke um i mean he's only eight so who knows who he'll be as he becomes older but with me growing up as a comic geek if he comes home one day and says dad i'm gay i'll say okay do you want to get some ice cream if he comes Mm -hmm. home and says i want to play football i'll say get out of my house i don't know who you are no i don't understand get out here no sports yeah i don't understand this world of sports (laughs) 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 who who raised you like this Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, uh, um, I kind of, because you always see, like, whenever there's, there's, like, an announcement of, like, one character in a cast of, like, a big show is gay, and, like, there's the horrible people who are, like, why can't anyone be straight anymore? It's like, we have one, just give us one out of ten, you know? Like, why can't we just have one? And I kind of wanted just because like when you are the writer you are in charge of the kind of people in your thing because like you are god and i just wanted it to be as i think it should be where it is just part of part of life like 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 um people don't talk about it people don't like address it and that's like not to say that like stories that do are bad because there is value in like in um both sides of the story of people coming to terms with things and like that kind of a thing but i just wanted to portray it as just the normality that it is in my life so i wanted cremate to just like not have a gender because i don't think it's important and cremate wears clothes of all kinds cremate just does what cremate wants to do and with um honey's parents I also just wanted to, because I feel like you don't often see, like, I'm sure like it is changing now, like as the world is like hopefully like improving a little bit, where grown up people, um, I say grown ups like I'm not 30, but like um adults don't often have like um elderly parents who are gay because that was just not as easy, not as like acceptable to do to be able to get to the point where they could have like like um to have like um to have like um adult children and of course there will be cases but it's just not as common as it should be if we as a society had been in the places that we should have been at that time so i just wanted her to have two dads and just it's never never addressed as different it's just who honey's parents are because that is how people exist it's just like Honey has two dads, okay. It's just the way that her parentage is. And not to have to have a conversation like around how or like the why of it and just like accept it as part of life. Well, and, and you're right. And to say um, people didn't have 
gay parents generation to generation ago. But maybe they did. And a lot of previous generations that we see so miserable, that we see so many divorces, that we see hating each other could have been, I can't be my true self and I've never been able to be my true self based on what was expected of me, of my family or society or whatever at the time. And they see modern days, which is, we're not there yet, but a lot better. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you might have people 50s, 60s, you know, older generations thinking, you know, I wish I could have grown up now. So I could have been me. I wish I didn't have to Mm -hmm. hide who I was. Um, Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, there's no age that is correct coming out. So, like, people are doing it at all ages. So I just, I just, like, want to create a model of the fact that you can be, you, you can be 60 and gay and married. And that is just a thing that is, because that is, the way that people are. Well, and, and even in the book, uh, uh, in Parallels to Society, who is anyone to say who you should love, when you should love them, how you should love them? Mm-hmm. If if someone has a breakup and decides to date someone completely different than whoever they used to date, that's not a drastic change in who they are that's not being fake that's not changing or whatever it's here's who i am attracted to at this time mm-hmm. that's all that, that matters and who is anyone to judge that exactly yeah it's true now it's not mentioned explicitly and, I, and i've looked up other other interviews and other reviews to see if anyone else has done it and, I, and i'm not finding it but a perspective i got in this is um my my child is on the autism spectrum, and I definitely felt a bit of that with Cremade, especially mm-hmm. when Cremade gets the chalkboard, which I okay. loved, and mm-hmm. and just took Cremade to the, the amount of expression and emotion that Rebecca gets just adding that little piece to Cremade, who is already very expressive and emotive brought it to another level but i see with in a way you have a nonverbal communication and how do i get these thoughts out and how do i get these emotions going and how do i tell you how i'm feeling when i can't speak mm-hmm. and it was just beautiful for that and and i know in, in previous emails um i don't want to ruin anything in the book because i want people to read the book but when we get to the moon, mm-hmm. God, they just it, it weighs so heavy in the story, the mm-hmm. the um, the emotion and the excitement, but also the sadness. And there's just so much in that. And and, and then where Cremade takes Honey and Darling for it is a beautiful moment for them as a couple, but also as a family as well. And I I think of things that in learning how my child thinks and how he thinks differently than I do and and not forcing him to be like me, but forcing myself to learn through him mm-hmm. in a way is Honey and Darling 
forcing themselves to know how cremate thinks and operates and giving cremate the tools to express themselves as opposed to forcing cremate into well you're supposed to be like this and you're supposed to do that mm-hmm. i i don't know if that was anything that anyone's ever brought up or if you even knew you've you did it because i certainly know for stuff i've written before sometimes i don't realize what i'm what's in there until at the end and it blows my mind of oh my god this what that was there the whole time and i didn't consciously write it but it's definitely there yeah i mean like that wasn't like intentional like at all but i love that it is there as a way of exploring that because i mean like even i am like all for any kind of like interpretation of anything that you can take some value from so just because I didn't write it like intentionally doesn't mean that it's not exploring these themes and these ideas that you take from it. Because um, I just wanted to create a story where, where, where this character who, like, as you say, has no trouble like expressing themselves, but it's just like another part of, of the development that they are going through. And and that you are able to kind of see how much more they have beneath the surface. So like this like ties back into the expectations for cremate that I mentioned earlier. But just that you think that cremate can just be one way, and you get to see that they have so much more to give to give to the world. And the way that you can easily, because like I was lucky in that my parents have always been been very supportive, but there are always people who try to shape you in ways that they think that you should be. And I just thought that because you, if cremate has no voice, then it's very easy to make assumptions about what they want and who they are trying to be. And the fact that their age is so nebulous in this story anyway, that I wanted to be able to see see growth. And like, as you say, like imply story behind the scenes. So giving them the chalkboard is just a way to show that they are able to like express themselves in ways that you wouldn't have thought that they could have done. Because you would have made like assumptions about ways in which they act and that you would think that because they act so physically in the first two chapters that they are not capable of more rational thought which is just very clearly not true because they are are conscious enough to be able to behave in human ways so you need to not try to put any kind of like pressure on them to fit into a certain box so while while like honey has like experienced that herself she never wants to impose that on cream and there is a point in in that chapter where she is grappling with her own the own um the um expectations that have been put on her by her parents even by accident they have always been like accepting of the fact that she didn't want to be in the family business but 
she is still grappling with that fact and then like um almost by accident like subconsciously then just like presses too hard to fit cremade into the box that they are in and the that is never maintainable for, for like any long period of time so i feel like that was just like a really like long-winded way of saying that um i really really like that interpretation of it because i just love the fact that you can give anyone a voice and give anyone re representation by just showing people who come from different backgrounds who come from different capabilities and showing that they are still people too with wants and dreams well and, and it's interesting you put that way and and also that when you first started getting into comics it was x-men because whether stan and jack intended it from the beginning x-men is your um analogy for any marginalized, hated, prejudice against group mm -hmm. in the world, whether it be gay, whether it be person of color, whether it be anything. And mm -hmm. granted, I won't know exactly what that's like, but I know what it's like to be a fat, unathletic, socially awkward geek in the 80s okay. and eating lunch by myself and not having a friend hang out with after school because, you know, oh, I'm that nerd, I'm that geek, and being alone. Mm -hmm. So I can see this group in comics and end up having comics as a home because it gave me something. It gave me somewhere to go. It gave me a place to not feel alone. And it might be through the X-Men speaking to me in that way. It might be through other things. And honestly, for someone that picks up Creedmade, that can be their example here of I have a voice, I have things I want to get out, and I don't know how, or I'm scared mm -hmm. to do it, or I don't know, or I have so much to say, I can't control it, and it comes out at once in this chaotic fashion here. Mm -hmm. But just that example of oh, I need... I need to know that I can speak and be understood and that people will care. And thankfully, Cremate ends up with what, what I'm calling, you know, their own parents, which were employers at first, but mm -hmm. end up becoming a family. Yeah. Uh, but to just feel like I have a home and I have somewhere safe and I have somewhere I can be okay and somewhere that wants to know what I have to say and, and is, and cares and then even with with when honey takes over the company i i think in a way taking their honey darling's lessons from raising cremate and then putting that knowledge out there for the world too and what's and what's implied that they're creating there in her company mm -hmm. well like i think that like one of the the great things about like the, the 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 times in which we live in that because it is so much easier for people of all backgrounds to get their work out there and to get their work seen that it means that you get a lot more chances for people to portray the world as they would like it to be and have the people in it in which they see in their day-to-day -day life and just have more sense of 
what what behaviors that they would like to see modeled. So making cremate has kind of um, given me the chance to kind of create this world where um, Honey and Darling do do listen to cremate and they make their mistakes, but they always come back to a place where they pay attention and they learn and they listen to what cremate wants and they do their best to give it to them. And I feel like that's something that I couldn't have have like imagined seeing in some books when I was younger, because I feel like there is always, or like there is often a sense that parents are written in the stuff that I watched when I was growing up, that parents are the enemy. The parents are the ones who stop you from doing cool things. You know, like I'm just thinking of all like American, like 90s sitcoms where like the parents are the mean ones who just like impose the rules. And I just wanted to create like these, these like um, these um surrogate parents that are thrust into like a parentage that they might not have planned, but just that these are all people who are doing their best. And that for cremate as well, all three of them are just doing the best that but um the best that they know how to do in that moment. And I feel like I like to create this world just so that I can feel like that is what is happening in real life in like an escapism sense of I want to kind of put that energy out into the world where people are just trying their hardest and are genuinely trying to do all that they know how to do and do all the good that they know how to do and that doesn't mean that that they're not going to fail sometimes but just that they are just trying and I feel like that is something that is the most frustrating when you see some things in this world where you're like you you are not even trying to do good so that was just like an energy that i wanted to to put out to hopefully get some of it back well there's definitely a good perspective of parents whether it's honey and darling themselves as surrogate parents to cremate or or honey's parents for Mm -hmm. her especially with the the journal Mm -hmm. but um when when my kid was younger, I actually called up my mom and apologized for all the terrible things I did when I was a kid. Okay. <laughs> because there's, as, as a parent, there's a moment of, I'm not perfect, and I'm never going to be perfect, but everything I'm trying to do is to make sure that you are okay. Mm-hmm. And sure, I might work too much. And that's less time for you. But it's making sure you have a house. It's making sure you have clothes and food and everything. It's making sure you have a future. I might be distracted, but it's because I'm trying to think of something I can do for you as my child. Even because because there are scenes where they're they're all distracted from each other and not communicating at all. But it's because the things on their mind are, how can I do better for my family? How can I give us more? How can I do something better for us? And sometimes with that future thought, we lose track of the now. But then that future thought is the anxiety, which 
is shown so well. Um, I myself have quit a job because the anxiety and the panic attacks and the stress was too much. And I said, I can't live like this. Mm -hmm. I can't have this happen day to day. Is the thought of quitting and not knowing what to do next scary? Absolutely. But the thought of being here another day is scarier. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. let let me take that risk. And even though it's Honey and Tarling doing this at at different points in the book, you know, changing their lives, I felt like they're real people because I've been there myself with that, of taking that risk. I mean, Mm -hmm. making your own comic is a risk. Like Doing so many things. And I, I mean, not that I know your entire biography here for mm-hmm. life, but so many things are a risk that you just got to jump into. And you putting that there on the page through the characters gave me a sense of not being alone in that. And and I have to assume with just the way that you wrote it, that you yourself have had panic attacks as well in life, because the only people that understand it are people who have also had them. Mm-hmm. Someone who's never had one does not understand how horrible it is when you're in the middle of it and don't know yeah. how to stop it. Yeah, well, um, I had my first one at work in a job that I hated. And I feel like it's that like it was just because people are being more honest now online and just like um, talking about the things that they experience because I was sat at my desk and I was just like, I'm like, my legs feel weird. I'm really, really thirsty. And I'm like, I think that this is what a panic attack is. I've heard this described to me before. <laughs> um, and like, I was just glad that I had a comprehension of it, like at the very least. Like, I still like did, didn't know what to do and it was still like immensely terrifying, but like I had a name for it. Um, so I feel like um, when I wrote a lot of this, stuff about um how um honey and darling are quitting their jobs and like exploring their lives it was kind of like wish fulfillment for me because at that point i hadn't quite plucked up the courage to quit my job so it was kind of me exploring through them what doing that might feel like and just because of the time scales of creating a book since i wrote that I have since quit my job, found a much better job that, that I've now been in for two years. So, and like I've had this time to learn, like to practice writing, to make a book. And I kind of feel like I've been able to achieve what I hoped when I wrote this because I wasn't able to do it at that time. But I feel like probably subconsciously, it kind of gave me the freedom to 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 pursue that for myself because I was able to see that even in these people that I uh, like that um that that like I created and were like entirely fictional, they were able to do these things and succeed. So it probably on some level gave me the confidence to chase it myself. Well, and and any writer will tell you that where a character started when they started page one and where they were at the end, they could have never predicted that eventually Mm -hmm. the characters come alive and take you on the journey. The characters dictate the story to you. And it wasn't where you thought it was going. It wasn't where you predicted, but it's where naturally they had to end up. But it kind of sounds like your characters 
pulled you on your own journey. So they started writing your own. Yeah, giving... I think so. I think so. Yeah. Now, yeah. I I will wrap up. I want to know, because I enjoyed this so much, I hope this isn't the only thing you're ever going to write. Is there any future plans, projects, anything else you're working on or debating in your own head? So, I mean, like, there's like always the hope to come back to Creamed because I because like it's the first thing that I've written. I I I really really like enjoyed writing it, and I have some really weird ideas for where I think Black Creamed could go because it's probably not in any direction that you might think just because of the rules that I've set out for where the story ends. Um, so like maybe at some point like in the future I'll come back to Cream Maid. But um at the moment I am like in the middle of making it's a podcast that I've written and I directed the voice actors and I'm currently in the process of editing. And it's an um adaptation of Rob Risk the Third, the Shakespeare play. But mm. told through the lens of an um investigative podcast. So like just because like true crime is having such a a wave right now that there are just like aspects of it that that bother me just like in terms of just because like I think I think about things too much but just like things that I don't think enough people confront when we are consuming these true crime things that that are making proper celebrities out of really really like horrible horrible people and like we're giving a platform to people who should not have a platform purely because their life is interesting and I feel like that isn't quite addressed enough and that kind of theme like tied into the themes of this play that I really really liked and I just wanted to try to combine those together into something that is hopefully interesting. I, I gotta imagine we're talking about where journey started and everything that the person, the, the Mark that sat down to write page one of cremade could not imagine that you, the project or what you have next like, couldn't have imagined where you are now with it. Oh, no. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. Like, I'm, no chance in hell. Just because I feel like trying to even, like, approach something like making something with voice actors and trying to trying to edit things. I just feel like doing Cremade, like, in the sense of when I sat down to wrote it, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've I've read comics, I don't know how to write a comic. And then over the process of writing it, you kind of realize that on some level, nobody knows what they're doing. So like you do it, do it enough that you learn, learn, learn what to do, like learn what is like expected. But there is always that level where you're like, everyone is making this up as they go along. And there's like, a, there's like a comprehension of making things, I think, from like outside of it, 
not that I am like on the inside by like any definition, but the that 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 making things is like a first draft is perfect. Like people who make good films, they wrote one script, they shot everything in a day, and it was perfect. And the you kind of learn by making your first thing that you don't have to know how to do it. You just have to be able to adapt and learn and take advice from people who know better than you and that everything is achievable if you just work hard enough at it. And I feel like making cream made has made me realize that I can get to the end of a process, have an end product that I can put on my shelf and then realize that at the start of this process, I had no idea what I was doing, but I still did it. So just like taking like a steer into trying to cast something for like a for like a voice acted show. When I started, like um, um, I was also like, I have no idea, like how do you cast something? I was like, I don't know. I have no idea, but like, um, how do you find voice actors? Like, do you just like knock on random doors and be like, hello, are you a voice actor? And just like, how do you figure that out? But just going through this process now, it is, I feel like it should help people who, if you are out there, and you want to make something don't feel like you have to know how to do it before you start because you will never reach a point where your quality of output feels like enough to make the thing that you want to make so you just need to make it and then learn from it and then make the next thing because you will you will always have the sense that you are making the best thing that you have ever made and it feels like you just need to get good enough to make it because you don't want to do it badly and I understand that feeling but also it, unless you make things you you will never learn and the fact that there is never one good idea so like if you have a good idea there are also like 20 other ideas that you'll have that will also be just as great so you need to not be precious about your ideas and like and like only make them when you are ready and just do it. Well, I I tell it to my son all the time because he wants to be a famous YouTuber. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I'm telling it to myself. Everyone sees the finished product when it's all done, yeah. when it looks pretty, when it's, you know, making money or selling well or whatever. But no one sees the hours and the years that it took to get to that point and all the struggle mm-hmm. and all the work and all the doubt and all the stuff that got thrown away. And let's try better. Except for and the Swift, tears and the crying and the I can't do this. I can never do this ever again. Like, what am I thinking? Yeah. But no one sees that part. They see the no. end and think it was so easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, where... If people have enjoyed this interview and want to follow you on any social media, by the way, you have a new Twitter follower. Oh, <laughs> it's <you>. me. <laughs> <laughs> Where can they find you online uh, for social media, for your website, for ordering copies of Cream Made, for, for anything like that? Yeah, um, at everything. I'm, I'm just on Twitter and Instagram at um, B Mark Dixon. That's um, D-I-C-K-S-O-N. And um you can buy cream made on the um um Arledge comics website i'll send you a link if that's okay to put in the episode description 
rather than try to navigate people through voice. Yeah, and I will absolutely put a link in the show notes for Cremade and um, for anyone that wants to follow you on the socials as well. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Mark, this has been so great. Um, please, if if you put out anything else, please keep me in mind. <laughs> yeah. And send it my way. Yeah, Let me do. know, even if it's uh, if there's a future Kickstarter or anything like that. Please let me know by all means. Yeah, and um, thank you very much.